Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to read some verses. It might say some stuff about it. Might not. Um, right on. Father God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your son. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for adopting us. You are good. You are holy. You are the only thing worth our praise in our time. We love you and we give this night to you. Let the... Uh, anything else that's not what you want from tonight just fall away from us. Let every agenda that's not yours just be torn down and put away. Let every hope of not being changed by tonight just fall away. We come to you with humility and with boldness. Amen. Um, got some verses. Let's go with First Pete five eight through ten. I, I don't have a title, so. the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. The enemy prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he will devour. It's whom, because whom is the object of the sentence. Now, here's the thing. Um, you know, we, we call the Lord the Lion of Judah, right? And I think that's fine, but I, I think we can't just... Um, we can't pretend like every time anybody brings up a lion that they're talking about God. Uh, I feel like we do this thing in Christianity where we just ignore anything bad, unpleasant, or having to do with Satan and the enemy. And so then, like, when you say lion, they're all like, our God is a lion, the Lion of Judah. And it's from that one song, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's by, uh, what is it, like, I have it stuck in my head right now. That's the yeah, that's the uh, 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 super. Might be a verse. It's from the. He's right. Hey, baby. Lion and the Lamb. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here's, here's the thing. Like. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Hold on. Hold on. We got there, and I'm really proud of us. But here's the thing. Every time we think about Lion and the Lamb, we think about the Father and the Son. And I think that's fine, right? I think that's cool. That's great. Set your mind on things above. But we forget, First Peter 5, 8, that the enemy is also like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Okay? It's not a safe thing. And I think, you know, it's easy to get into the other charismatic side where we proclaim victory. We're just like, we're just going to declare victory, declare it. It's like Michael Scott yelling bankruptcy. <laughs> <laughs> I declare bankruptcy, that's not anything. 
I didn't say it. I declared it. Still, that's not. That's not anything. Right, and so um, we get into this attitude where we like to um, belittle the enemy, and and to a degree, I think that's fine. I honestly, um, I'm not afraid. I don't usually, I don't get afraid. Like somebody brings a demon around, I don't care. If anything, I'm just going to make a spectacle out of it. That's a different conversation. But he calls him a prowling lion because it's dangerous. And, you know, there are mature Christians who will obviously defeat the enemy and the workers of the enemy, but... I mean, that's not everybody. Just to shoot it straight. Let's keep rolling. Well, okay. Not keep rolling. Let's let's get into it a little bit. That's my introduction. Galatians 1, 6-9. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Contrary to the one you received from Paul. This is why it's important. If, if somebody is preaching to you, the word for that is anathema, accursed, uh, just condemned. <clears throat> and so, you know, I, I read this verse, and I'm like, okay, right on, Paul's pretty passionate about this. But then, you know, I kind of ask the question, um, why would an angel of heaven be preaching a different gospel? Like, that's kind of weird to me. Uh, so let's read the next scripture for the answer. Just let's set it up, knock it down kind of thing. First uh, Corinthians eleven twelve through fifteen. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman, and all things are from God. Judge for yourselves: Is it proper for a wife to pray to God? That's not it. No, it's definitely not. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And what I am doing, I will continue to do, in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission. They work on Sorry. the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Oh, that's so it. it's no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. So I think we also kind of get this attitude. Um, but the enemy... Right, in the works of Satan. We're like, oh, Satan lives in strip clubs. Um, you know, and that's, I guess, whatever. Uh, if I can be honest, I don't think he does. There's not a whole lot to do in a strip club for Satan. People are already worshipping the flesh. I mean, I, you know, there's just, there's, to me, there doesn't really seem to be a whole lot of point in working there. Uh, but Satan and his servants, if you could just read that last part again. Uh, no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. 
So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Servants of righteousness. Yeah. Sounds like the church, doesn't it? Yeah. Read the first scripture again. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. That's fine. Seeking whom he may devour. Where is he looking to eat? Among the church. What's he look like? An angel of light, servant of righteousness. Do you understand the real and present danger? Satan is not just in democratic primaries. He's in the church. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a registered Democrat. I'll just be real with you. <laughs> I don't want to turn it into a witch hunt. I just want to let you know. Just because something is Christian, just because something looks Christian, that's exactly how the enemy operates. He's not going to sit there on death metal radio and say, this is mine now. You know, I mean, just shoot it straight. He's going to sit on Caleb. Posing. Tricking. I'll back that up. I know it's a bold claim. We'll talk about it. Let's read a story about some temptation. Luke 4, 1-13. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they were, and when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, man First temptation. Not. Let the stone become bread. Jesus answered with scripture. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Second temptation. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jeru Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard, to guard you, and on the other hands they will bear you up, whilst you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. The enemy used scripture. He used it improperly out of context. But he still used scripture. Just because somebody has one verse doesn't mean it means a whole lot. Now oh, here's the other thing. You think Jesus Christ was a good person? Just ballpark. We'll see. We'll just say yes. Yes. We'll go with yes. The anointed Messiah that re-inherited all nations under Yahweh, died for the sins of mankind, the perfect sacrifice, the completion of the whole law. 
I'll say that's a good person. Okay. Oh, okay. He can be mean sometimes. I just take out Matthew 23. Okay. Start editing the scriptures. And they've been edited plenty, so. Oh, yikes. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. Every time a Christian gets tempted, we just, man, we fall apart. Like, oh man, I was tempted today. <laughs> and we just like collapse in a puddle of self-pity and wallow and shame. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we start singing that. <laughs> uh, I lost a friend somewhere. <laughs> And see, that's the thing. And, and honestly, we joke about it, but that's literally what happens. And so, so here's, here's just, this is kind of a blanket statement before we move forward. If Jesus Christ, who we can all agree with, is the model that every human should live by, if he was tempted by the enemy, can you also expect to suddenly become a Christian and never be tempted again? Yes. Yes, you can, right? See that doesn't it doesn't make sense. And it doesn't hold up. And we have these like presuppositions where like, oh, I'm never gonna be tempted ever again. And if I am, it's my own fault because I'm not perfect. Jesus was perfect and he was still tempted, so get over it. Um <laughs> that's just kinda that's my thing right there. But I always had a few questions about this story. You ever hear him like try to offer him the kingdoms of the world? See, what most Christians won't tell you about that is they believe that like God is sovereign, right? That's cool, so do I. Believe in the sovereignty of the Most High. But read, read what he says, read what he, he tempts them with. said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me. It was delivered to him. And he'll give it to whom he will. I see just like lying. Like I know he's like the father of lies, that's cool. But I want to read first John five, eighteen through nineteen. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who is born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. We, do, we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. I don't want to get a whole lot into sovereignty doctrine. I just want to say, honestly, it might be his to give. I don't think he's just lying. It might be an authentic temptation. But here's the thing about these temptations of Jesus, right? Why are they temptations for Jesus? Why does he tempt him with these things? And I want to just kind of throw this out here now and then dig into it a little bit. They're almost what he's already going to get. They're counterfeits to what he will get just in the wrong way, at the wrong time, and in the wrong fashion. Now, too, I, uh, I worked at Subway, right? And so, um, 
my manager one time, he's like, hey, if somebody gives you like a 50, you know, check to see if it's counterfeit. I'm 15 years old. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. But who knows, right? So somebody would hand me a $50 bill. I'd look at it. <laughs> I, I never said anything. It could have been counterfeit or not. I, what, what am I looking for here? I don't know. It takes a trained eye, right, to detect the counterfeit. Oh, we can act like we know what we're doing a little bit and just hold it up to the light and look through it and just put it in the register anyway. Like it says 50 on it, you know. We got it that far. I could have, yeah, you could have paid with a counterfeit bill. I'm just thankful I never got one. Now, talking about counterfeits, hmm? You said Don't rain on that parade. <laughs> John 4, 32-35. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say, There are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. This is Jesus right after he meets the woman at the well. This is, this is my food. What's his first temptation? Food. food. Bread, food. So, oh, you're hungry, you haven't eaten in 40 days, eat. It's not just because Jesus was a, a human, natural man. But it's also because Jesus was the anointed Messiah. And, and for him to get his food now, instead of taking it from the Father, his food is to do the will of his Father and complete the work, complete the law, and die for all mankind. The temptation was not just to indulge in the flesh, but to give up the food he knew. To give up the food that he actually wanted, yeah. just later. To give up that food in that passage for something that's early in the wrong way. Even though it looked right on the surface. Man hasn't eaten in 40 days, doesn't it make sense he needs some bread? Who brings bread? Usually God, right? Manna from heaven? That sounds like God. Sounds like something He would do. 40 sounds like the number He'd do it on even. But the enemy doesn't come as a strip club. Jesus wouldn't want anything to do with the strip club. Besides to preach, teach, and heal. But it didn't really matter if it was a strip club or not. The thing is, the enemy comes as something that makes sense. Something that even looks right at first glance. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 32, 8-9 When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, 
When he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord, the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob his allotted heritage. And Jacob is allotted heritage. The Lord's inheritance is Israel. Cool. Psalm 82, verse 8. He will inherit all the nations. Isaiah 49, 5 and 6. This one will say, I am the Lord's. Did you say 49? Yes. I could be wrong, though. I thought it said 44 from here. <laughs> but I said, I have labored in Don't me. think so. I have spent my strength. I have, but I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing in vanity. Yet surely my right is with the Lord. Am I not reading the right thing? I have it. And now the Lord says, He informed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Salvation to the end of the earth. Okay, basically what I'm getting at, I don't know what happened there. Um, I'll pray for you. Oh, that's fine. Here's the thing, right? <clears throat> The Lord will inherit all nations of the earth in Psalm 82. Salvation was first for the Jew and then the Gentile. It was made available to the Gentile through Jesus Christ. The re-inheritance of all nations came with the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of the Pentecost, right? The re-inheritance of all nations is a pretty big deal because it allows more than just Jacob and the people of Israel to be the allotted portion of God. Does that make sense? So when Satan says, hey, I'll give you all the nations, why is that a temptation for Jesus? Because he was sent to die for the re-inheritance of all the nations. God was going to get all the nations. Right? So that we could be, by faith, all of us into the kingdom of heaven. It was something he's already going to get, just too soon and in the wrong way. A counterfeit of what he already planned. Temptations are not just things you think you shouldn't do. Temptations are things you should probably already get, or plan on getting, just too soon and in the wrong way. 1 Kings 8, 1-11 Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the leaders of the fathers' houses of the people of Israel, before King Solomon in Jerusalem to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. 3-11 And all the men of Israel assembled to King Solomon at the feast in the month of Ephanim, which is the seventh month. And all the elders of Israel came. And the priests took That's up July. the... 
<laughs> Just kidding, I'm sorry. <laughs> and they brought up the ark of the Lord, the tent of the meeting, and all the holy vessels that were in the tent. The priests and the Levites brought them up. And King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel, who had assembled before him, were with him before the ark, sacrificing so many sheep and oxen that they could not be counted or numbered. Then the priests bought the ark of, brought the ark of the covenant, uh, of the Lord to its place in the inner sanctuary of the house, in the most holy place, underneath the wings of the cherubim. For the cherubim spread out their wings over the place of the ark, so that the cherubim overshadowed the ark and its poles. And the poles were so long that the ends of the poles were seen from the holy place before the inner, san- before the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen from outside. And they are there to this day. There was nothing in the ark except two tablets of stones that Moses put there at Horeb, where the Lord made a covenant with the people of Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt. And when the priest came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord so, uh, that, the this priest, is it. so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. So this is kind of a big deal, right? Lots going on. The glory of the Lord is great. In the Old Testament, there's lots of worship, right? Lots of cool stuff. A cloud came and filled the most holy place. The presence of the Lord was so intense that they couldn't even stand. The worship of the Lord was so authentic that a cloud of glory came and filled the place. I'll be honest, I just want to bash on fog machines. They're a counterfeit, though. We uh, we tend to prioritize atmosphere over presence. And at First King, they prioritized authenticity and presence, and the atmosphere followed. But now we think you have to have soft music and a fog machine and the lights and everything right. And then the presence will follow that. It's something that we should be getting just too soon and in the wrong way. They had to sacrifice innumerable animals as worship. And what, you want to give up an hour of your Sunday and then think you can do that? You know, and I understand that we're not sacrificing animals anymore, but we ourselves are living sacrifices. I'll be honest, you shouldn't expect to see something like that until you live like a living sacrifice and not a country club member. I don't think fog machines are like something that we need to fight about. (laughs) To be clear, I think they're an example of a larger truth. First John 3, 8-10 Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of, who are the children of God, and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. 
Oh, so we don't want to sin. What sin? Uh, Romans 14, 23. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. I'm going to be super honest. Using counterfeits is not from faith. Fog machine is not in faith. I'll, you know what? I'll just say it. I think most fog machines are sinful. I think most light shows are sinful. They're not in faith. They're a counterfeit of, of the glory of the Lord. If something is a counterfeit, it's something in the wrong way, something too soon, something that we should get, but only if we walk in faith. That The bread, right? The kingdoms, right? If we don't receive that in faith, and in faith means being patient and taking it in the right way, that's sin. And accepting the temptation of counterfeits that look like it to the untrained eye, that's how you get adopted into the wrong family. This is the very real and present danger because the enemy is prowling around looking to see who he can devour. <sighs> Colossians 2, 20-23 If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to these things that all perish as they are used, according to the human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. The argument is asceticism is, in a way, an indulgence of the flesh. You're still submitting to it. But the point is, it still has the appearance of human wisdom. It still has the appearance of, of righteousness, right? The enemy comes uh, looking at servants as righteousness. If somebody says, hey, don't do that, and you say, why? They don't have a better answer than just be wise. I don't trust that. Now, I'm not saying be careless, right? We can just run around and do anything. The opposite. The opposite, indeed. Be careful not pursuing your faith, but be careful pursuing your faith because the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And what does he look like? Human wisdom. Servants of righteousness. Things that look right on the outside. Matthew seven fifteen through 20 Beware. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree 
bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Fruit takes time. Fruit takes a season. If you watch a man teach and all he gets is pride, All he gets is comfort. All he gets is audience members. I don't know how that looks. Paul taught and he got stoned and thrown out of the city. Like literally almost murdered. I think Paul was a decent teacher. It's important to watch those who are teaching. See the fruits of their lives before you start eating it. That was kind of a problem in the first place. Eating from a tree, we weren't sure of its fruit. And we heard one thing, and it was kind of right but it also kind of wasn't. Do you understand the problem? The next scripture is the hireling sheep. Jesus is the way into the fold. I don't really think it's that important. You can read it if you want. It's John 10. I want to skip right down to James 4, 7 through 10. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Pause. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What does he look like? Angel of light, servants of righteousness, precepts of human wisdom. Do we understand what we're talking about now? Not every time you get a little bit horny do you have to think you're being tempted by the devil. But every time you're thinking, you know what, if I'm just a good person, if I can just tip the scales in my balance, do more good than bad, hopefully check all the right boxes, believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, everything will be okay. If you think that's it, that ain't it. Again, the gospel of Christ is one of living sacrifice. It's one of every breath of every day. There's a real and present danger in obeying the list of rules and thinking that you're saved. That's not the work of improper doctrine that's the work of the enemy. Continue reading. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and... 
Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil. Sorry. Do not speak evil against a brother or judge or judges his brother. Speak evil against the law and judges the law. What? She just kept reading. I skipped the line. It's okay. Go back to the be wretched and poor. Start that sentence. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. That's the end of 10, right? Yes. There is a very real and present danger. There's a solution. The thing is, it's a lot uglier than we'd like to hope. Honestly. Our solution is to get our fog machines, get our lights set, and get everything together. Get the music just right, feel good about ourselves for a little bit, and then declare victory over the enemy. You know, the danger in that, though. There's no submission to the Lord. There's no mourning. There's no vigilance. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. This is why I'm so careful about doctrine, about what church I go to, about who I listen to, who I support. By and large, find a lot of people I like, you know, and, and things that we disagree on, honestly, not that big of a deal to me. Talk to me one day, I'm a conditionalist. Talk to me another day, I'm back to traditionalism. Talk to me one day, I'm an open theist. The next day, I'm provisionist. Honestly. I think there can be a lot of balance between those two. But doctrines of salvation, doctrines of rules, precepts of human wisdom, I won't abide by those. Because that's the enemy. That's not man. That's how the enemy invades the church. And he's saying, mourn. Cry about it. Seriously. You were tricked. Fooled. Taken for a ride. The enemy wants to steal you from the hand of the Lord. And the worst part is, he did a good job. We underestimate the enemy. Honestly. Because we confuse him with our own flesh. But the flesh... That's not something to submit to either. But it's not the enemy. The enemy is the roaring lion. His temptations are things you should probably get. Just too soon and in the wrong way. 
and he comes looking like a servant of righteousness. Read the last one again. Yes. Submit to yourselves before about, therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Pause. Three-step process. What's step one? Submit to God. What's step two? What's the devil look like? A good guy. What's step three? Draw near to God. Where's God? In his temple. What's his temple? The church. Draw near to God. I.e. be in unity. Be in tune. Keep reading. Uh, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. You want to be exalted? You got to crawl through the mud. You know why it's so heavy tonight? It's a heavy scripture. This is a heavy thing. I'm not going to pretend like it's not. You feel like you've been tricked, taken for a ride. You don't know what the enemy is. You're just confused. You should be. You're upset about it? You should be. You're not happy with where you are? Probably shouldn't be. Wash your hands. Purify yourselves. Draw near to God. Submit yourselves to the Lord. You want to be protected against the enemy? As a Christian? That's how you do it. You got to know what you're looking for. Problem is, most of us are still just avoiding strip clubs hmm. instead of looking for the servants of righteousness who bear no fruit. One is our presupposition, the other is what the scripture teaches.